Welcome, everyone, to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. Today, we're going to think big. We're going to think global. We're going to think about expanding, in particular, to some of the overseas marketplaces. So a lot has happened with Europe in the last few years. And I have with me a guest who's actually been on the show before. He's in Europe, and it sells there, so I can give us a lot of context. Um, I've got Steph. Van Buchel. He's from the Netherlands, but lives in Italy and runs um, Operation. We'll talk a little bit about what they do in Europe. But Steph, welcome. Thank you, Scott. Nice to be here again. We connected a while ago, but what happened since he's been on the podcast, I got married and I actually had my honeymoon in Italy. I probably was within 30 minutes of Steph. It was my wife's honeymoon choice. And of course, you know, it was great. Really enjoyed it. So. You've got a team there in Italy, and you think build solutions that help people take advantage of the entire European Amazon ecosystem. So catch us up. What is the Amazon Europe ecosystem, and how has it changed? Well, I think for you as brands, it is the largest opportunity, growth opportunity. Why do I say that? Well, for example, we can deep dive a little bit later in it, but for example, nine countries are now live in Europe. When you look at the total in the last two years, four new countries were launched. Next to that, Amazon is building warehouses in several other countries, so they will be opening new countries as in the next, uh, next years. Then you have the average spending per person is the highest in the world. Most people access to internet and Amazon Europe is heading up towards reaching same number of uh, sales as the dot-com market in a matter of years. There's a lot happening and for mature brands it is the most obvious way to basically relaunch a successful ASIN but with the existing reviews in a country that is very much familiar with Amazon. That's an interesting thing you're talking about like a global ASIN that shares reviews. You have a chance to launch in Europe if you've got a product and you can like you can leverage a lot of what you've got. Tell us about the new marketplaces. We have Poland, Sweden, Netherlands, and Belgium. These are new Amazon marketplaces. It seems like you know this is 2021, 2022, later in the internet era, but Amazon is still going in and localizing these countries. You've sold in these countries, right? Well, I've been selling in these countries already for, for 12 years. And obviously, since Amazon has been launching, I've been selling uh, immediately in those countries. You need to really realize that Amazon is taking big market share. As an example, in the Netherlands, where I'm from, they launched two years ago. From a revenue perspective, they already increased to the fourth largest player in the Netherlands. And then all the countries that they are launching, they buying market share and i think what is the opportunity also there is less than one percent of the amazon sellers are selling on a pan european level making the market much more shattered so why is that interesting for example in us it's common to see products with hundreds or even thousands of reviews well in europe that's uncommon so if you would launch a product with 300 reviews, obviously the consumer that sees your product for the first time is thinking, okay, wow, this product must be good because they have 300, 500 reviews and number two has 36. So that gives you a first mover's advantage. And 
in general, good to start investing in those markets for sure. Yeah, no, that's very relevant. Most people that listen to this show, they're based out of the US. I've got some international listeners, but, and even some of those listeners, they actually sell in the US. And so as you think about expansion, there's so many directions you can go, but when you have a winning product, a winning brand, you want to think Europe. Now, I've tried. I've tried selling in other marketplaces, limited success. I've sold a little bit in Canada, sold a little bit in Australia, I've sold a little bit in Mexico. And by and large, every time I've done this, it's been painful. There's just like, just conversations that me as like a software developer, like I kind of just want to get back to building stuff. So what I'm talking about, oh my goodness, like the amount of documents that I had to sign just to get a European account for Amazon FBA, like it was pretty bad. And I can't believe I went through all of those steps and I got to the finish line and then we didn't actually send inventory because that was the next hurdle. So I can sympathize with some of the challenges that brands have had with going to Europe. I know Amazon tries to remove every hurdle possible, but the thing is, is like every country actually has more weight than Amazon in terms of their requirements. Like, you know, if you're, you can't just like ship products into a country and everything's going to be hunky-dory. So much, there's a lot of compliance. Compliance being from everything from like that things are translated. You know, I think some of these countries require like localized translation of even just your packaging. So right there, you know, we've said a few things that could people could see as a hurdle. Did I miss anything? What other hurdles are we thinking of? I understand everything what you shared is obviously different than in the US, right? In the US, you think, okay, I can reach 300 million consumers with one one currency in one language. Well, in Europe, there are four currencies, there are eight languages. When you look at it from a scaling perspective, you don't want to be too busy with all those local requirements. You want to focus basically on the performance activities. But yeah, it's true. Europe is not a country. You need to have a localized approach. There's no such thing as a European strategy. You need to invest, but when you invest, to explain it, to give you a little bit of a picture, there is 60% less competition in Europe, 60% less competition. And the market itself, Amazon Europe grows four times faster than the US market. So it's the one that taking some time and invest in that and understand they need to invest. Those are the ones that can target 80% of the US sales over time. Yeah. I mean, I hear like less competition sounds awesome. I'm in some competitive niches and like some products we've kind of had to just let go of because just gets really saturated and there's not a lot of ways to differentiate. Whereas these products do have a thousand reviews and we could just ship into Europe. Seems like it'd be interesting, but also certainly a challenge. We talked about like the importing, but also some of them require like a physical presence. What are some of the best ways to tackle this? Normally, so I've been doing this for 12 years. For the majority of those 12 years, I was working inside companies like, like yours to set up an operation, to sell it to the consumer, giving the consumer in Spain or Italy or wherever, thinking the idea to buying something local. You need an in-house project team and you need approximately five service providers for all the different activities, for the customs, for the compliance, for the warehousing, for the marketing activities, for the VT filing, as well as the performance. And then often on the local level. 
that is how the normal traditional way goes to. So that means that for companies to looking at a timeline of six months and a quite large investment, I think one of the most hurdles is you can be a warehouse guru in the US, but obviously you don't really understand the warehouse activities that is happening in Europe when you need to cross borders. And then it's quite difficult to manage, now let's say, to steer those local companies and also making sure you are negotiation from, because again, from a knowledge perspective, is quite difficult to organize. And that's just warehousing and all the other things. So it's true, a bit complex. You need some time, as well, Richard. <laughs> yeah. Now, you can do these things by yourself. I know Amazon has like, some providers out there that like will help with the VAT filings. And sometimes we'll even like, you know, have a free sign up period and they do a regular push. But the reason that I wanted Steph to come back on is I've seen some of the new things that you've been developing to make this process easier, kind of like just like a one-stop shop. And you've called this the Amazon infrastructure as a service. So what's the biggest hurdle? The biggest hurdle, if you want to start selling a year, you need a legal and fiscal entity setter. So you need a legal natural person that will import your products on the name and by law is 10 years long has a product liability. That's one. So you need to set up a company to organize that. Then secondly, you need to have a VT set up in the countries to make sure you can offer an day delivery. Once you have that set up, then you need a localized team for the translations, the marketing campaigns, etc. So what we do, and this is new, completely new within the Amazon ecosystem, you're actually the first one sharing it actively to your podcast. We call it IAS and we call it IAS Premium. What we do, we set up multiple seller accounts, empty seller accounts in Europe with the legal or fiscal entity set up in already all those countries. And we get and we lease that to US brand. So a US brand with a Amazon team can start managing Europe by doing the performance activity, the account management activity, the stock control activities. While we on the background do all the localized support. So we provide the translations, we do the VT fine, we do we support with the compliance activities. So that means that for a US brand. And managing Europe is basically have a, a seller login in US and have a seller login in EU, and they're exactly doing the same activities while they're immediately opening up nine countries. We manage the whole localized activities. Okay. I believe you on how much quicker your service allows this process to happen. I've seen this stuff and it takes a long time. This is a huge advantage. So you're creating a seller account and then leasing it. And so like legally, this is your company's account, but you lease it to the brand and you lease it to only with only one brand. So they have full access. Agency has full access if they have an agency. And so it's how they are managing the U.S. business. They can manage on the exact way also the Europe business. So there's a... Uh, also a localization that you guys do for the products and the brand. Yeah, indeed. So normally how it works, we look at the ASIN and we do a little bit of market research in which of the content we should sell. The majority of the brands immediately go live in five countries. And we do with our in-house team from Germany, France, Italy, Spain, etc. We do the localized keyword research, the localized translations. We provide the NAS template back. 
or we get immediate listed in the seller account. So we basically set up the account completely ready to do up and running. And then basically the band starts doing. This was my question. The global ASIN, or like sometimes I think Amazon has like this like global account. Like most seller accounts are like based on a region. So like if I open up an account, like it's in the North American region. Then there's the European region. And they will connect accounts sometimes. They have maybe one or two features that that like actually is a perk for some cross listing. But ultimately, like what I care about is that there's a global ace and the reviews are synchronized. So how's that process work? Synchronizing reviews overseas. We do brand registry in Europe with the same brand registry, obviously that's done in the US showing that it's still the same owner. And when we provide this proof, we are able to list the ASIN also in the other countries, taking with you the reviews and the Q&A, actually. And that's it. Obviously, then you need to do the translations, etc. But for example, if the consumer is looking at the reviews, they will see the local reviews. So if you're from Germany and you have, like, say, a million US reviews and you have 50 from Germany, the 50 from Germany are visible and not the other million. They are when you start scrolling, obviously, but that's again to give the, yeah, the local experience. Interesting. Yeah, you, if you want to go in, you want to go in like with like, you know, guns blazing and try to be successful very early on. I think you need to look at it. So let's say that we have five countries that have been existing for, let's say, over 15 years. In those five countries, they have 50% of the total e-commerce market under control, right? Similar as in the US. Also, that is still a shattered market, so you are able to really win from the local heroes because a lot of those legal, local heroes don't sell in multiple countries. So the companies that are selling in multiple countries are creating more reviews and also need more resources to take away the local heroes. That's a big opportunity. 2.5 million sellers active in the US, 1.1 million active in Europe. So there's an opportunity. Then you have the, all the new countries being launched. So if I would ask you, Scott, how would you like to launch a product on Amazon 20 years ago with the same knowledge that you have today? Would you understand a little bit how to do that? Would you like to exploit that opportunity? I think yes. That's like my wish that I wake up to. It's like, oh my goodness, if I only could have done this 10 years ago. At the end of the day, one thing that just like always like inspires me or makes me excited is just the size of these marketplaces. Like they are pretty big. You know, we're talking tens of millions of people that are buying. And when you've got the right offer, they will show up. Tens of millions. It's in the UK. I think it's around 60 million. France, 60 million. Spain, 60 million. Italy, 60 million. Germany, 80 million. I mean, we are larger than the U.S. market. We are almost triple, actually. You've worked with a lot of brands. Who do you think this is like a great fit for? Like, if you were to like talk to someone, you're like, I think this is a clear fit. Is there a categories that work, categories that don't work? The categories that work or don't work, that depends a bit of the maturity of the marketplace. Belgium, Nanosport, and Sweden are quite relatively new categories, new countries. And then you see that Amazon focuses more on the higher price product. If you look at the countries, France, Italy, Spain, UK, that's a more mature market. And then we see that all categories in general are performing quite well. Uh, if I would say, who are we targeting? Basically, any brand that does more than 20K per, per month, 
in the US is also able to do some good business in Europe and have a relatively quick return on investment. Also, note that if you have a large catalog, no need. So focus on your, you know, the 2080 rule, because you need to realize you don't need to have a big catalog to start launching. Just focus on the ones that have most proof of concept. So if that's just five agents or 10 or 20, go with that. It's a relatively easy thing just to launch with the first batch and then slowly increase your catalog after you're generating some business. Love that. So I've been to a lot of conferences here in the U.S. There's like a community of sellers in the U.S. I've always heard that in Europe, and it's not quite the same. You know, there's not like as many conferences, not as many people like identify as like an Amazon seller. How would you describe people that sell on Amazon that actually live in Europe, how they see it? And is it a growing community of sellers? Are there events that you go to that you could recommend? U.S. is a completely different market. Because it's such shattered, the companies that you see a lot more traditional companies focusing on Amazon. Purely FBA brands that doesn't really exist in those countries. Obviously, there's a small community everywhere to, to be fine, but the, it's a completely different market in Europe. So if for events, if you look at the target market, the target market are actually, you know, traditional distributors, retailers, and brands that want to also conquer the Amazon market as a sales channel. Solely FBA brands or solely marketplace, that business is not really taken off as much as it did in the US. So what you see is that there are a lot of localized events, but then events up to 200 people that can be done by an agency that has some speakers. You have, for example, like you have, for example, Titan and then Carbon 6, you have in Germany, AMZ hackers, but it's solely German. So for example, I did a podcast in December and they asked me to do it in German. So if I would do too much in English, people would cancel. It's a different target market for sure. Interesting. Cool. Well, I always love hearing a, a bit of an update and learning a little bit more. I think what you've created is interesting. It can be very relevant. Europe is always very strong location to go. The UK is English, so you can do well there with less work, but these other places require a little bit more work and there can be some more red tape. So for someone that's interested in learning more, talking to you, um, how can they reach out? Look for me on LinkedIn so we can personally chat or go to our website called marketplacedistry.com, marketplacedistry.com. And then there are some options to reach out. You're able to do some calculations to better understand the cost of launching your brand in, in Europe. And in general, you know, I would just recommend to open up the talk because one of the first things that we basically do is one, research how big is the market. Are you able to make some money too? We're going to make a price calculation so you can recognize on port and on country level what are actually the margins that you're making. So you also know upfront that some revenue to be made and some profits to be made. There you go. So you guys have some calculations there to help out. Right. You just put in the ASINs and the countries and then it starts working out. Oh, that's cool. Well, Steph, thank you for coming and talking. Always a pleasure. Jealous that you're in Italy. I'm jealous of the food that you have access to. We try our best over here. I did have Italian food yesterday. My wife, she likes to make it. That's always a big part of our family. But thank you. So that's marketplacedistry.com. 
if you want to learn more about Europe, if you think your brand is a fit, and if you want a fast launch option, you can, uh, yeah, check it out. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's always nice to talk about Europe. I should know I'm just the go-to European yeah. guy, so I'll always be crunching about go to Europe. But, you know, I have also some numbers to back it up, and I'm hoping that also uh, you with your brands are now motivating to look more and more to Europe as a potential big market. Well, I love that. We'll wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening and cannot wait to uh, get you guys on the next show. All right. Take care, everyone. One, two, three.